Welcome to Game Changers Innovation Podcast. I'm Mark Ranella, Senior Editor for the IXL Center. This podcast is brought to you by the Global Innovation Management Institute, the global standard certification board for innovation and innovation management. Sage Tonic is the perfect blend of ancient medicine meets modern science. We need simple, easy to access solutions for common day-to-day conditions before they snowball into more chronic health problems. Sage Tonic helps anyone suffering from these ailments to use evidence-based holistic treatments for on-the-go wellness. Based on my research, I created a sensory protocol, which is a platform where you can access different tools for a full sensory holistic experience. To accomplish this, what we do is provide a combination of products as well as mobile technology. So the user is guided and can choose from various therapies and create their own personalized treatment plan depending on the condition they'd like to treat. Stress, poor sleep, fatigue, poor focus, for example. So Mark, let's say you're stressed and you need to calm down. If you want the most robust response from your brain to induce calm, to do that, the best way is to send a signal on every sensory pathway, your senses of sight, touch, hearing, taste, and smell. Our platform allows you to choose which sensory treatments you'd like to engage. As we discuss healthcare innovation, specifically in the rapidly expanding area of personalized medicine, Sage Tonic is but one example of how we can harness mobile technology, targeted products, and create a user experience that is personalized, tailored, and designed by them. What these user-driven platforms can do is increase engagement, allow for immediate self-care, promote early intervention, and habit-forming healthy behaviors. By design, these simple yet targeted treatments are easily woven into any daily routine and can profoundly affect our daily lives to achieve long-term health. That was health and wellness expert, Dr. Nada Milosavljevich, who's also known by her readers and patients as Dr. Nada. Dr. Nada now runs her own private practice in integrative medicine in Newton, Massachusetts, and is the founder and CEO of Sage Tonic. We'll be learning more about the field of health and wellness its past and present, through a two-part podcast interview. This first of two podcasts with Dr. Nada focuses on her general approaches to integrative health and her path to moving from downstream methods of healthcare, like pharmaceutical products that generally deal with problems that have already become acute, to upstream methods of healthcare, like many approaches taken by today's complementary and alternative medicine, or CAM. CAM is becoming a huge trend within the health and wellness industry with consumer demand rising to an estimated annual amount of $115 billion. The second podcast focuses more on her company, Sage Tonic. This will bring us to topics about the sources of business innovation and the execution of innovation to create a sustainable health and wellness company. Nada's work and background are so interesting on so many levels for Game Changers podcast. Her company, Sage Tonic, combines very modern technology and modern approaches to consumer interaction with much more ancient holistic approaches to wellness and medicine. 
and her path to becoming CEO of Sage Tonic also demonstrates a curiosity and adaptability that are key to anybody interested in innovation. While her career is very diverse, encompassing very different fields like law and medicine, one also notices a clear vision of her vocation that helps to shape and direct all this great variety of interests into a coherent path. A path towards helping patients to maintain long-term well-being through personalized medicine. One of the keys of that well-being is giving patients the knowledge and tools to safely monitor and improve their own health over time. We started our interview by going back to the beginning of her career when she worked as a patent attorney in the pharmaceutical industry. Mark, as you know, I, um, my career began in law, in intellectual property, so I've always been very keen on innovation and invention. Um, but when I left law to pursue medicine, I always had an interest in kind of bridging that gap and providing more innovative treatments within the field of medicine. And what happened was back in 2010, I was fortunate enough to receive uh, funding to embark on an integrative uh, medicine research program. So I was principal investigator of an IRB, an Institutional Review Board uh, formal research study. Mm -hmm. And it was to look at teens who suffered from severe anxiety and stress because we realized it was a hugely uh, growing, rapidly growing uh, issue. And we wanted to see if there were any natural tools that could um, help because right. Uh, certainly, we have medications that we can use, but we wanted to see if there were any milder, gentler, more cost-effective, uh, easier options for teens to access. Because also, we realized that some of the first incidences of anxiety hit young adults around the age of 17. So we wanted to see if we could come in um, kind of as an early intervention and provide them with tools that could possibly prevent them from ever becoming that statistic. So I had a program that started at one high school clinic. I blew it out from the hospital because we wanted to reach out to the community where we serve, and it quickly grew to three clinical sites. And it was working with these young adults, looking at various integrative and holistic treatments, and having them meet with profound success. Uh, in fact, we ended up publishing the studies. But here was the interesting thing that happened, is I had a number of other school clinics that called, so you, we realized the enormity of the issue. But also, mm -hmm. I had a number of parents that started contacting me saying, you know, I can't sleep or I have anxiety, I have headaches. Can any of these integrative tools help me? And it was at that point that I realized something that could be used on the go, when and where, how people might need it, something that can meet with our busy lifestyles would be tremendously helpful. And that is how Sage Tonic was born. Right. And um, how would you then, you know, with that mission of helping people on the go, or at least within their busy lifestyles, integrate this mm -hmm. integrative medicine into their lives, how would you describe then what Sage Tonic does or its mission, um, you know, in, in a nutshell? Sure. Um, so Sage Tonic is the perfect blend of Western medicine meets Eastern traditions. 
it helps anyone suffering from common day-to-day -day con uh, conditions to use some evidence-based holistic treatments for on-the-go wellness. So what I created, and again, uh, this comes from my research, is we use a uh, sensory platform where you can access different tools for a full sensory holistic experience. So there's products, but there's mobile technology. Um, for example, if you mark our stress, if you wanna get the most robust response from your brain to do that very thing, to relax, to calm down, um, right. the, the best way to do it is to send a signal on every sensory pathway, your sense of sight, touch, sound, taste, and smell. And that's what Sage Tonic does. Uh, via the mobile technology, uh, we provide um, training and uh, we walk you through uh, your sense of touch using acupressure, sense of sound. We have um, a collection of uh, soundtracks and embedded in those soundtracks are certain frequencies associated with up or down regulating the brain if you're looking to calm or provide energy. And then mm -hmm. sight, we use yoga poses. And then sense of taste, we have um, herbal blends of uh, tea and then smell of aromatherapy wipes that are also naturally antibacterial and biodegradable. So it's a full sensory experience. Wow. Um, combining audio, visual, olfactory, taste, and touch therapies, but it really becomes a personalized, comprehensive wellness plan that's reliable, accessible, simple, but it's a result of a deep commitment to advance, you know, those easy-to-use treatment alternatives, but to provide them in a way that we can use them where we live, play, and work. You know, we're all busy. If these things can't be woven into our daily routine, we're not going to use them. They're not going to create habits and healthy ones. So that's where I think a lot of the um, innovative aspect of it comes in. Mm -hmm. Right, because I've always been uh, struck by your approach to uh, this is quite sophisticated. And at the same time, it seems the delivery of the treatment seems pretty easy for the um, patient. Is, is that a key part of this approach? I think that was probably uh, one of the most difficult hurdles is to take something that is inherently quite complex when you're using a lot of these um, neural systems, you're looking at the body's physiology, you're going into the research that is available in some of these herbal and natural therapies and trying to take the totality of all of that, combine it um, into a very um, user-friendly interface and make these tools easy to use. Because that's where I think a lot of uh, people fall short. Unfortunately, you know, they want to do some of these holistic treatments. They want to start incorporating these things into their daily lives, but they have no idea how. So to take something that, you know, is um, complex and has many layers to it, but to make it that uh, simple uh, was, right. was a, a difficult task, for sure. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. uh, it'll be great to have a link here uh, in, our, in our podcast page to take uh, listeners to your page in Sage Tonic that talks about all those senses. Um, I think that's the a really interesting uh, way to introduce people to your to your therapies. Of course, it has to do with mindfulness. Um, it has to do with being, you know, aware of of your senses. But I think that many of us, because our lives are so busy and filled with so much noise, if you will, um, we don't realize that 
our senses are our only connection to the outside world and they're working 24 seven. They're sending mm. signals to the brain and we're interpreting those as something harmful or something safe, something that we need to respond to or something that we can kind of um, shelve away on the side, you know, for another time. And once you tap into that, um, you soon realize that it's a tremendously powerful tool to help control our behaviors, our sensations, our sense of energy or calm. Right, there are only windows to the world, right? And uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, let me go back to uh, something you mentioned uh, early on, which was uh, you were talking about innovation and medicine, and then you said I wanted something to bridge that gap, or I was interested in bridging that gap. Um, mm -hmm. You know, early on in your career, did you find that there was a lack of innovation in medicine, or kinds of innovation you weren't really enthusiastic about? Uh, can you explain uh, what you meant when you're talking about bridging that gap? I think some of the best innovation comes from cross-disciplinary work. So taking what I knew as a, a biotech attorney, as working in intellectual property, and applying that to this field of science and medicine to contribute to advancements. What I realized as an intellectual property attorney is when you are drafting a new patent, and let's say it's for a medication, you have to describe something called the prior art. So it's everything that was in existence that led up to that current invention, whatever it might be, or innovation. Uh -huh. And for example, um, the white willow plant led to aspirin. The Pacific U plant led to tamoxifen. So many medications that we use now that are life-saving that we're very fortunate to have were actually first isolated from something in nature. And so I realized that there is a tremendous capacity for some of these natural therapies to have an application in modern medicine. And while that is happening, I thought it could help take it to the next level by combining um, some holistic products, but that are evidence-based, because as we know, there's a lot of snake oil out there, unfortunately, um, right. but also um, having, a, having it marry with um, technology, because that is a wonderful mode of communication. It's a way that we can reach anyone, anywhere, really talk mm -hmm. about breaking down barriers. So it really was a, a beautiful combination. So there are certainly advancements, of course, in the field of medicine. There's no question. There's a tremendous amount of innovation going on. But taking some of these natural treatments, putting an evidence-based application to it, and then putting it into a highly and easily usable platform was something that I felt was lacking. And I know evidence-based is very important to you. Is that a growing trend in holistic medicine, just in general? People know they have to do that more? or Oh. Um, yes, yes, it is a growing trend, as it should be, because if we want some of these treatments to stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with other things that we are currently using in medicine, that is the standard that we have collectively agreed upon within the medical community as a way to communicate our research and our work for advancement. As you can imagine, if if we didn't have something like that in place, you would have anyone talking about any single experience they might have had with a treatment or a patient that um, that they're going to apply to a, a larger group of uh, users or, or patients without mm -hmm. really uh, adequately testing it on a large scale. And so to so for something to really be woven into our modern 
um, approach to medicine, I do mm -hmm. believe that having that evidence-based approach is necessary. Um, as you're probably aware, Mark, I mean, there's so many treatments out there that you later find out either weren't helpful or maybe even potentially dangerous because they weren't properly tested. So I right. think for a lot of these uh, integrative treatments, that is a standard that they should follow if they aren't already. So one thing uh, I know that people in innovation are always interested in is trying to figure out the future. So I know I know we don't have a crystal ball, but you're you're you're, you're close into you know what's happening now, what may be developing. So I'm just wondering, what are some trends in health and wellness that you see either coming from the provider end, say you know from people offering therapies, mm -hmm. or maybe mm -hmm. on the demand end, what do you see people asking for in the next five, 10 years that's going to grow in importance? One thing is, and we've all heard the term before, personalized medicine, but we often hear it in terms of some of the cutting edge treatments in genetics or immunotherapy, which again are exciting and uh, potentially life-saving, so they're wonderful. Mm -hmm. But really, personalized medicine can affect all of us on a very regular basis insofar as, I mean, take the sage tonic um, application where you can build out your own treatment with the mobile technology and the app. So I think one of the, the big trends is going to be that idea of personalized medicine, but on a very big scale. So not just for some of these isolated conditions that we might be targeting with various genetic therapies, but personalized medicine through technology where things are really tailored to that individual. I mean, the more we learn about a human, uh, the human's physiology, we know that we are all unique. We have uh, different enzymatic pathways. We have, you know, different metabolism, different responses to a host of different treatments. So as that personalized medicine um, becomes something that is more readily woven into our day-to-day -day routine, I think that is really going to alter the, the landscape of how we deliver treatment and how patients access it. Very interesting. And do you see any um, changes or trends in what patients expect from you or what they may be expecting from medicine, uh, aside from personalized medicine, you know, when they come to see you? Uh, well, certainly the uh, patients today, I think they have more information at their disposal. Now, whether all of the information is good information or not uh, is another question because right. as we know, um, you know, on, uh, online there's just a host of things you can access, some good, some less so patients that might come into my clinic today have more uh, info that they have, more, you know, articles or blogs that they may have found some information on that they bring in. So I, I do think it's a more educated patient, but then the key becomes um, helping them navigate a lot of that information that they inevitably are going to um, have access to and tap into, but to help guide them into what information is going to be more helpful, what information ha is, you know, less credible, if you will. Again, we go back to that um, evidence basis. And it mm. doesn't necessarily have to be conclusive data. Um, you know, there's a, a spectrum when I look at the uh, at the types of things you can access online, um, but even some of the data that's out there to let them know that a lot of it can be helpful. Uh, some of it, though, it may not have the, the rigor be behind it. So I think, right. again, uh, in, in a nutshell, they, they have more information, they're more educated in that regard, but it's helping them navigate that because you're not going to, you know, have them cut off access to it.
it's there. Right. And that's it's there the, to stay. <laughs> right. That's the modern problem for almost all businesses is the um, just an overwhelming amount of information that's out there. And so mm -hmm. it's important people like you uh, to sort of guide people say this is the good kind of information and maybe this is not so pertinent or helpful um, oh exactly exactly and also to help them prioritize because you may have access to a million different things but they're not all of equal importance at any given point in time so you you, you gave us a sort of a general idea of how your career spanned from intellectual property into you know more conventional medicine and then now you're uh, interest in integrative health. Um, I'm wondering, is there is there an interesting story, an aha moment, a sort of or a sort of turning point for you uh, in that um, moment? I mean, you pointed to to law school. On oh, that law school, you're you're uh, looking at the uh, what did you call that? The the prior art of of a yeah. uh, art of a drug. Um, so I'm just wondering, is there was there a, a, an interesting aha moment for you in your career? It wasn't a single moment, but it was sort of a collection of several that brought it all to the fore. And mm -hmm. it was treating, so I'm trained in treating both uh, child and adolescent as well as adult patients. And it was working with, whether they be the adolescents or the adults on this you know, chronologic spectrum, and realizing that all of the treatments that we currently have available, a lot of the pharmacology um, doesn't solve or cure um, many of their ills. And so I thought there had to be something more out there and something that um, had fewer side effects, something that they could use more readily. And also when I saw the trends, especially in mental health and how these numbers were growing, I mean, the rates of depression, uh, the over 40 million Americans with anxiety disorders, over 8 million physician visits a year for headache these trends were on the rise and I thought there have to be some other options. And mm. so going back to my practice in law, looking at some of the early treatments that we often find in nature, but also knowing that, you know, prevention is the most direct path to wellness. So looking to see what are some of the earliest interventions that we can do that maybe it can put these patients on a completely different trajectory for health and, mm. and empower them. So that's, sort of how it all came together. So I can't say there was a single moment, it was really this collective. So it seems like the two big trends that are coming together is um, the prevention, right? That Because say 20 mm -hmm. years ago, you didn't hear a lot about that. And mm -hmm. and the personalization, right? Those two seem to be uh, the, the two big shapers of medical trends. And from the point of prevention, we realize now, we know enough now in medicine that we realize many of the illnesses today are diseases of, of lifestyle. And to be able to intervene early, you can put someone on a different path that maybe they never even become that statistic. So for example, uh, chronic stress, and we all experience this, right? But if it's right. left unchecked, it can elevate your cortisol, your main stress hormone, which when left chronically elevated, can contribute to cardiovascular disease, obesity, depression, um, insomnia, and many of these are chronic conditions that are plaguing, plaguing our society now and have reached epidemic proportions. So it's really getting in in an early and preventive way, using the technology so that it allows anyone to access at any time because it has to work with our lifestyles and really changing that path through oh, education, wow. through empowerment. Yeah. That's got to be really exciting to think about the huge impact you can have on patients. 
you imagine not only the suffering that they go through, but for their families and the lost quality of life. And then you think from an even bigger scale than that is you think economically the lost days of work and the lost productivity. And so this goes on and on. And then how it affects our healthcare system. So it, this, these effects really reverberate to many different levels of our society. And to be able to go in and affect a change early on can have such profound effects for just the state of the art and how we are able to live our lives. That's one thing that makes me enthusiastic about working here with you in this particular podcast, I think it's a great message mm -hmm. to get out about preventive medicine. You know, stop oh. stop doing these things before they, they really hurt you. And it, it is all about early intervention and not to make anyone feel left out because wherever you are on that spectrum of wellness, the beauty of some of these integrative treatments is there's something for you. If you're looking for it from a preventive standpoint, if you have just a mild to moderate condition that, you know, plagues you now and then or affects you now and then that you want to have some handy treatment for, but also if it is something that's more serious, and let's say you are taking medication, you're in treatment for it, many of these integrative therapies can be readily woven in to your current treatment plan, have a synergistic effect, and mm -hmm. maybe prevent you from needing a higher dose of a medication and risking more side effects, but also to feel empowered that there is something in your hip pocket that you can use when, where, and how you need it. So mm -hmm. it really can have wonderful effects for many different um, patients. And it's, it's interesting because I'm seeing these kinds of approaches being advocated in what you'd call a more conventional medical setting. You know, say when, my, when I take my kids to get checked up, one of the things people are looking at, they send me a little, they have me uh, fill out a little questionnaire about their mental health, right? Um, which I don't mm -hmm. much I don't remember doing when they were five or six. I remember now they're you know sixteen and such. But uh, now I'm filling out this questionnaire about uh, mental health. Um, is so it seems like the, these approaches mm -hmm. are gaining currency in all sorts of medicine. And you know it's really interesting. But in Western medicine, that's another trend. Is we're actually looking to some of the models that you would traditionally have seen in Eastern medicine, where in Eastern medicine this is a long-standing theory or practice that the mind and body are connected. And it's only been uh, far more recently in Western medicine that you hear about that mind-body connection. But we now know that the two are inseparable, that you know various systems in the body do cross-communicate, and you can't treat a particular condition in isolation of the rest of the body. So I think it's a wonderful trend, and I wholeheartedly welcome it because I do believe that it allows the, the patient to be um, better treated. Uh, it's a more thorough uh, treatment that's provided, a more long-lasting treatment. It, it increases the likelihood that you're going to get to the, the core or the why of mm -hmm. their particular condition rather than just masking the mm -hmm. symptom. So I think it's a wonderful trend. And also right. another thing that's supporting it is healthcare consumers are demanding that. When you see the amount of money that is spent in integrative treatments, uh, we also call it CAM, Complementary and Alternative Medicine, C-A-M. Globally, it's over $115 billion. Within the U.S., over $30 billion is spent annually. So it's a huge and growing industry. So the healthcare consumer would like it. Within the field of medicine, they're realizing that it allows us to better treat 
the patient, so we provide uh, better care. So for a host of reasons, you're going to continue to see that incorporated in many different medical disciplines. We'll be following up this podcast next week by focusing more attention to how Dr. Milosavljevic has viewed innovation in her career and has taken advantage of unexpected opportunities. I'm very impressed with her vision of creating personalized medicine for the masses through mobile technology and her persistence in this domain has helped her push through failures or setbacks because she knows that the outcome is very much worth the effort. We're also helping to entertain some of your questions on either the science or business of health and wellness. You can send those questions to me. My email is on the webpage of the podcast. So until next time, this is Mark Ronella, Senior Editor at the IXL Center, wishing you all the best. Take care.